12, 1 through 3. And it is good having our children in here with us today. Appreciate you parents keeping them under control. And, and if they say, I've got to go to the bathroom, they probably don't mean it. Just keep them still. <laughs> How's that? Uh, and what, before we read this, let me put in a plug for this Wednesday night. We're going to begin a series in the book of Philippians, the book of joy. And I want to encourage you, go through the Word of God with us. The Bible says that we are to sincerely desire the milk of the Word that we may grow spiritually. Now, how many of you want to grow spiritually? Do you? All right, then be here Wednesday night. The traffic, ah, it can be a trial sometimes, but it's worth it because of the joy set before you. All right, let's read it. All these many people who have had faith in God are around us like a cloud. Am I doing it? I guess I'm. Let us put everything out of our lives that keeps us from doing what we should. I have a new toy here. Watch this. Isn't that beautiful? So I just, I just took charge of it. Now read this with me. Let us keep running in the race that God has planned for us. Let us keep looking to Jesus. Our faith comes from Him, and He is the one who makes it perfect. He did not give up. Say that again. He did not give up when He had to suffer shame and die on a cross. He knew of the joy that would be His later. Amen. And where is He now? Read it with me. Now He is sitting at the right side of God. That's good enough. God bless you. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that there is a joy set before us. And we pray your blessing on this word. And you will help us to have courage like he did in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them to perk up. They're going to need this today. Everybody needs this. Praise God. Now I want you to notice something. It's giving us a little glimpse into the insides of Jesus. It's telling us what motivated Jesus. Now we're in a battle of faith. We're in a walk of faith. We're in a journey of faith. And I'm very, very thankful when the Word of God opens our eyes and shows us what the Son of God was thinking. What was motivating Jesus Christ, as he walked on this planet, encountered sinful men, was persecuted, lied about, uh, come against, beaten, and ultimately crucified. What made Jesus, who was God, he knew what was coming. Jesus was never surprised by anything because he was God. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was very God. Our Lord Jesus Christ was not a first century hippie walking around in sandals with a beard and blue eyes and blonde hair. Our Jesus was God made flesh. God incarnate. God looked at us through Jesus' eyes, talked to us through Jesus' mouth, touched us with Jesus' hands. God became flesh and walked among us. But being all God, he was still all man. He experienced discouragement. He experienced what we do yet without sin. He was no stranger to feeling faint or tired. 
He experienced what we do, yet without ever giving in to sin or to the flesh. Jesus endured the cross. He endured the shame of the cross. He endured the hostility of sinners. He even endured the abandonment of his disciples. He knew what it was like for people to walk out on you in your darkest hour. He felt it. And I look at that and I say, well, now here's Hebrews chapter 12 telling us what kept him going. What put umption in his gumption? What moved him where he did not faint, did not quit, did not give up, did not walk away, did not put up the white flag, but went all the way to the cross and died for us? What was it that made him tick? The Bible says it was this little phrase, the joy set before him. There was a joy that was set before Jesus. I like the way the Living Bible says it. Because of the joy he knew would be his afterwards. Jesus knew something that kept him going, and we need to know something that also keeps us going. Jesus refused to focus on the immediate circumstances surrounding him. Now, isn't that easy to do? He had people accusing him, beating him, threatening him, abandoning him. But Jesus Christ never focused on what was immediately surrounding him. Jesus' eye of faith was always focused on this thing called the joy that was set before him. The joy set before him. And this is a turning point in our walk of faith when we learn what he practiced. We've got to learn it. And I hope you leave today thinking, wow, the joy set before me, the joy set before me. There is a joy set before me. I'm not focused on what is here now. I'm focused on what is coming. There is a joy set before me. And my eye of faith is not dwelling here. It's dwelling down the road to what God is bringing my way. I'm not going down. I'm going through. I'm not going to give up. I'm, putting up the, I'm not going to put up the white flag. Now, when I read about this joy that was set before Jesus, what was it? Well, the Bible says he has now, talking about past tense, after the cross, after he went through all that he went through, he has now taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. See, Jesus' comfort came from the joy set before him. His strength came from the joy set before him. His endurance came from the joy set before him. His inspiration came from the joy set before him. And listen, he's the first fruits of many to come after him. If Jesus survived and thrived by focusing on the joy set before him, guess what? We have been called to the same focus. We are to focus on the joy that God has placed before us. I want you to say with me, there is a joy. There is an anticipation of what God is going to do. And I'm excited about it. Give the Lord a hand of praise. That's all right. So here we have this insight into how Jesus functioned, how Jesus thought. While he was experiencing everything he did that was negative on this planet, he was focused on a joy, focused on the future, focused on what God was going to do. 
And the Bible says that we are to consider Him. We're to think about Him. We're to dwell on Him. We are to contemplate this aspect of Jesus. We are to consider it thinking constantly of what He did because Jesus is our example. This is a turning point in your walk of faith when you can learn, you know what? I may be in a valley, but I'm focused on the joy that's coming. I may be in the fire, but I'm focused on the joy that is coming. I may be going through a difficulty, but I'm focused on the joy that's coming. Well, pastor, I'm in a wilderness. That's today. That's not tomorrow. There's a joy that is coming. Jesus had a joy. He had an expectation. He had a hope. He had a goal. He had a blazing aspiration in his heart, an anticipation for what God was going to do in the future. So the present did not get him down. The present did not take him out. The present did not sink him in discouragement. The present he knew was passing. I love the verse. And it came to pass. You know what that means to me? No matter what's here, it's come to pass. It's not going to stay. It's come to pass. The psalmist said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He didn't say, While I build my house in the valley. He didn't say, While I pitch a tent in the valley. He said, It's a valley for sure, but I'm going through it. I'm not staying here because there is a joy set before me because God is on my side. And because God is on my side, this two shall pass. Oh, this excites me. This joy set before him made him keep going. It moved him deep down. The Son of God was kept alive and strong and vital and effective because he kept the joy set before him. He wasn't going to let anybody take it from him. It made everything he was going through worth it. It brought joy to him when he thought about it. Jesus Christ was focused on the joy that was coming. The joy that he knew. He knew that on the third day, the Holy Spirit was going to move on his body. He said, go ahead and crucify me. Go ahead and put me in the grave. I've got a joy set before me. And let me tell you what that joy is. On the third day, my God is going to enter that tomb by the power of the Holy Spirit. And my body is going to be quickened back to life. I'm coming back. I will be raised from the dead. I'm going to ascend to my Father. I will have the keys to death, hell, and the grave. I will have purchased mankind from bondage to the devil. I will have purchased mankind from the penalty of sin. I will be the Lord of lords. I will be the King of kings. I will be the ruler of the universe. Satan's power is going to be broken. I'm going to sit at the right hand of God in heaven. There is a joy set before me. Oh, I'll tell you, that moves me. And because he did this, because this was his focus, his modus operandi, the way he went through trials and trouble, he did not lose his courage or his purpose. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. 
We all start the race, but I'll tell you, I don't want to... I don't want to limp across the finish line. I don't want to crawl to the finish line. I want to be a Phelps when I cross the finish line. I want to break that tape with energy to spare. And the way you do it is by focusing on the joy that is set before you. God taught me this a number of years ago. I was preparing for a funeral. I was getting ready for a funeral that I knew was going to be a difficult one. Because it involved a precious child, about a 12-year-old boy who had fought cancer and lost the battle with cancer but had an incredible attitude, wonderful, wonderful young man. But he didn't win the battle, and I was getting ready for the funeral, and I wasn't looking forward to it. It was going to be difficult because so many hearts had been broken by this. As I was sitting there praying, God spoke to my heart in one of those rare moments, and he said, don't focus on the death, but focus on the joy that I've set before you. And I knew that it was a word to me, and it has become a word to me so many times I cannot tell you. I'm telling you, church, I'm counseling you, and it's free. You're not having to pay 250 bucks an hour for this counsel, but it'll take you for the rest of your life. See, there is, this is a key to victory when you focus on the joy that is set before you. So I went to that funeral, and there he was in that casket. Yet I knew he was not there. I knew that though his body was there, he was not there. I knew that he was in heaven where there is no more sorrow, no more pain, no more cancer, no more heart disease, no more aspirin, no more heartbreak. I knew that's where he was. And so I did not focus on the death, but I focused on the joy set before not only me, but everybody in that sanctuary. And I preached Jesus up and preached the devil down. And before you knew it, God came into that place and I sensed victory in that house because I'm telling you folks, the moment he stopped breathing, there was a joy set before him. He walked straight into the waiting arms of Jesus Christ and was free. I want you to say with me, we all need a joy set before us. It says without a vision, the people perish. It says without hope and a vision for our future, we become discouraged and we faint. Show me somebody who's fainting from discouragement and I'll show you somebody who's taking their eyes off the joy set before them. Mm, I came to preach today. I hope you came to listen. I came to preach today. See, see here's a, a trick of the devil. He wants to get you so focused on the difficulties of the now that he steals from you the joy of anticipation of what God is bringing tomorrow. He wants to get you so focused on what you're going through that you forget what you're going to. You've always got to be a people who remember what you're going to and not just through. Jesus looked at it this way. You can say cruel things about me. You can abuse me. You can criticize me, you can lie about me, you can nail me to a cross, 
But one thing you can't take from me, you can't take the joy that is set before me. You can't take what my God is going to do. You can't steal from me what God is going to do in my life. Now, I know what you're saying. You say, Pastor, I don't have anything like this. I don't have a joy set before me. For me, it's just day by day. I'm glad you said that because I'm going to give you one right now. Matter of fact, I'm going to give you three. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's a pretty good deal. I'm going to give you three joys that are set before you. Here's the first one. God is right now working all things together for your good. That's a joy set before you. Right now, God is doing things you don't know about. He's working behind the scenes in ways that you cannot see. And God is taking everything the devil has intended to destroy you, and he's working it, he's working it, He's manipulating it. He's moving it. He's making it bow to His purposes. He's making all things work together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. I love the Living Bible. We know that by turning everything to their good, God cooperates with all those who love Him with all those he has called according to his purpose. And in light of this, God says, with God on our side, who and what and where and when can be against us? Say, Pastor, I'm looking at a big mountain. That mountain can't be against you if God's for you. You say, I'm looking at a huge problem. That problem is not near as powerful as the God who's for you. You say, man, we've run up against a brick wall. We're in a heap of trouble. I'm telling you, God can blow on that and change it. If God be for us, who, what, when, where can be against us and succeed if God is for you? And God is for you. There's a joy set before you. What the enemy has intended to destroy you, what he has used to come against you with, the marriage problems, the financial problems, the temptations, the alcohol, the drugs. What he has intended to use as your destruction. Can I just give you another verse? My God prepares a table before me in the very presence of my enemies. I like that. He makes the devil watch. I like that. He makes the devil watch. Man, I tell you, I'm going to get this CD today. I think this is pretty good. He says, I'm going to bless you powerfully, and because the devil tried to kill you and destroy you, I'm going to make him watch the blessing. So he prepares a table before me, and here comes the turkey, and here comes the potatoes, and here comes the green beans, and here comes the rolls, and here comes the butter. And all the while, the devil's sitting there, da, 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 da. I love that. He says, watch this, Satan. Watch this, how I bless him. And you're not going to be able to do anything about it. I'm going to bless him and make you watch and make you grit your teeth. (laughs) 
David said, let God arise and the enemy be scattered. I love this quote from Cassius Clay, a.k.a. Muhammad Ali. Whatever you think about him, this is a great quote. The fight is won or lost far away from witnesses, behind the lines, in the gym, and out there on the road, long before I dance under those lights. The fight is won or lost far away from witnesses, behind the lines, in the gym of faith, out there on the road of discipleship, long before I stand on this stage or you stand on the stage of life under the lights of scrutiny. The battle is won in the shadows when nobody's looking but you and God and the angels. That's when the battle is won or lost. And when you get a hold of this turning point, that no matter what surrounds me, my eye is focused on the goodness of God, the sovereignty of God, the providence of God, the power of God, the overruling majesty of God. When I focus on that, the things of earth grow strangely dim in light of His glory and His grace. Private victories bring public glory to God. Here's the second joy set before you. He has surprises up his sleeve you don't know anything about. Can I just tell you, our God is a God of surprise. He has surprises up his sleeve you don't know anything about today. But that's the second joy set before you. That's why every day you ought to get up excited because you don't know what God's going to do. Who knows what he's got in his mind for you, especially if you seek him every day. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, neither has it entered the heart of a human being on your best day. The things that God has prepared, the surprises God has prepared, the unexpected things God has prepared for those who love him, there's a joy set before you. Can I tell you, God has a kitchen, and God has an oven in that kitchen, and God has turkeys in that oven. Now, we're coming to Thanksgiving, and I love Thanksgiving because I love turkey and dressing. If you said, what's your favorite meal? I'd have to tell you, turkey and dressing. I like the turkey, and God help me, I like the dressing, and I like gravy on top of that dressing, and then I like rolls with melted butter. I mean, I pig out on Thanksgiving. I bind those calories and believe God to do it, and then I just dig in and I do not worry about it. But you know, every Thanksgiving, my wife has a turkey in the oven. I smell it hours before I can enjoy it. I say, how long? She'll say, oh, it's going to be about four hours. Four hours? What do you expect me to do? Watch the Thanksgiving Day Parade on TV? I'm smelling the aroma of that turkey. She says, it's there. It's cooking. It's going to be yours, but it's not ready yet. But you got to know there's a joy set before you. <laughs> and oh, what a joy it is. There's a joy set before you. I say, okay, I believe you. I believe you, Cook. I believe you, Kathy. I believe it's coming. 
And so I wait, and I twiddle my thumbs, and I try to occupy my time. About every hour, how's it doing? Well, it's doing about an hour better than last time you asked. When's everybody supposed to get here? Oh, about two-ish, three-ish. Two or three, tell them to get here at noon. Even if they were here at noon, Jeff, the turkey's not going to be ready. So I have to believe her. Do you get it? I've got to believe her. I've got to believe she knows what she's doing. I've got to believe she's telling me the truth. I'll tell you the truth. Sometimes I go to the oven and look in. It's really there. It's really there. But I can't have it yet. But I know there's a joy set before me. I know that it's coming. And then finally, ring and ring and the, the bell is rung. She doesn't have to tell everybody to go to the table. They're all there already. Already napkins on the lap. They're all ready. And then in comes the joy. And the joy is set right in the middle of the table. And man, we dig in and enjoy the joy that had been set before us. And there came a time, and it made all the waiting worth it. Can I tell you, God's in His kitchen, and God's got a turkey in the oven. And if you'll just hang on and believe Him, believe Him. One day, He's going to put it on the table, and He's going to make the devil watch. And you're going to enjoy it. It's a surprise. It's a blessing. Take Abraham and Sarah, for instance. Abraham and Sarah were told, you're going to have a child all through, through your descendants. All the family of the earth is going to be blessed. So they said, praise God, there's a turkey in the oven. There's a joy set before us. But one year turned to five. Five turned to ten. Ten turned to twenty. They started getting old. They started checking their bodies out. God... I don't know if you've noticed yet or not, but we're getting old. We're wrinkling up. Where's the, where's the joy? You're going to have a joy set before you. Well, where, it's 20 years, 21, 22, 23. By now, he's 100, she's 90. They've given up. Sexually, their bodies were dead. Reproductively, their bodies were dead. But God had a surprise. Everybody say with me, God's a God of surprises. God had a surprise. The children of Israel experienced this at the end of their captivity just as well. Oh, and by the way, when Isaac was born, Isaac means laughter. His surprise so bowled them over that all they could do was laugh. Can I tell you that God can give you a surprise where all you do is laugh? You have to laugh because that's all you can say to it. You look at this and you, and, and, and you, and you laugh. Look at what God has done. I don't have words to express it, but I can laugh at it, laugh about it, laugh over it because God's given me a surprise. So Isaac was laughter. Children of Israel, 70 years in captivity. They couldn't even sing a song. They said, how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? They lost their song. They lost their freedom. They lost their identity. They lost their surroundings, their homes, carried into captivity. Seventy years among a godless people, speaking a different language. And then after 70 years, God began to move. And it was so powerful, He raises up Ezra, raises up Nehemiah. He moves them to go back and begin to rebuild the old waste places. Their homes are rebuilt. The wall is rebuilt. 
Their identity is restored. They are delivered. And David wrote about this and said, When the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. Let me interpret that for you. Somebody stick me with a needle. I can't believe this. And then it says, Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue was singing. God so blessed them that all they could do was laugh and all they could do was sing. One person wrote, God moves in a mysterious way, His wonders to perform. He plants His footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. Deep in unfathomable minds of never-failing skill, He treasures up His bright designs and works His sovereign will. You fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds you so much dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessings on your head. His purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. When you're His, the surprise may be a new friend, an unexpected promotion, an unforeseen opportunity. But because He's God, there's a joy set before you. Now, i got to tell you one more, and I'm going to close. Can you take one more? Here's one more joy. Are you ready? Jesus is coming soon. That's a joy set before you. That's a joy set before you. This is the greatest joy that we've got set before us. Listen to what the Bible says. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we do know that when He appears, we will suddenly, in an instant, be just like Him. For we shall see Him as He is. We're in the last days, and I'm going to say this to you. You better lift up your head, because your redemption is drawing nigh. In 1948, when Israel became a nation again, the hourglass in the last days was turned upside down. In 1967, in the Six-Day War, when the Jews occupied old Jerusalem again, another major prophetic landmark that we're in the last days. And Jesus said, when you see all these things coming to pass, lift up your heads your redemption draws nigh. I want to tell you something that's happening inside of me. God tells me one thing. He says, you preach and you fear no man. And don't you give up the Word of God. And I'm going to tell you, churches all over our nation are caving in to a politically correct culture. And they're saying, well, we can't talk about sin. We can't talk about the coming of Christ. They'll think we're crazy. We need to involve ourselves in social gospel, the social ministry aspect of Jesus. But don't talk about sin. Don't talk about the need to be saved. Don't say He's the only way. Who are you to say He's the only way? Don't go there. You've got to, you've got to keep an open mind. Well, I've got to tell you, in some things I've got an open mind, and in some, time, some ways my mind is very comfortably closed. And it is that I know that there is only one way to be saved, and that is Jesus Christ. Muhammad didn't die for your sins. Buddha did not go to the cross for you. Confucius did not give his life for you. 
only Jesus Christ stretched out His arms and His feet and was nailed to a cross that His sinless blood would cover our iniquity. Only Jesus Christ was buried in a sinner's grave and raised from the dead on the third day. Only Jesus Christ is at the beck and call of God the Father who someday soon is going to lean over to Him and say, Son, go get your bride. And when he does, you're going to be walking along and poop. Some of you are going to be in a plane. Somebody's going to turn to say something to you. Oh, they must have gone to the restroom. Pilots will disappear. People driving cars will disappear. We may be having church like this, and oh, if all of a sudden everybody's gone and you're still sitting there. <laughs> this altar is here for you. You say, do you really believe this, Pastor Jeff? Oh, I believe it with all of my heart. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the sound of the last trumpet, the dead in Christ are going to rise first. And we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Well, that, that takes incredible faith. Why does that take faith? God said, let there be, and you were. God said, let there be, and the lights flash across the heavens. God said, let there be, and there were elephants and lions and bears and tigers. God said, let there be, and all that we see, hear, taste, smell, and know were created by the very Word of God. They didn't believe Noah, that crazy old man building a boat for a 100-plus years. They didn't believe him, and they mocked him every day. As they took their kids to school, see there, there wasn't a body of water anywhere near them. The only thing they'd ever known was mist coming up out of the ground. But Noah said something's going to come in the sky. Well, when you go by, old Noah, children, just wave and humor him. hundred years, every stroke of that hammer condemned that generation. Every nail he drove in that wood was a testimony against them. And after a hundred years, God began to draw two of every kind, supernaturally. By patience, the snail reached the ark. Here came the deer, the elephants, the tigers, everything. They entered that ark. And the Bible says, God shut the door. He didn't say, Noah, you shut it, because Noah couldn't have stood it. I had to shut that door against those people. God said, I'll do it for you. God shut that door. And here's those people. What a joke. Something's coming in the sky, the end of the world. What a nut. He's crazy. All of a sudden, water, for the first time in the history of mankind, began to pelt the earth from above. Pop, 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 pop. Hit the ark. Hit their heads. And dread filled their face. He was right. The old crazy man was right. And it began to pour. And then it was a deluge. And we know, archaeologically, it was real. It was true. A flood covered the earth. 
and everything died. They climbed to the highest mountain, stood there, wrapped around trees, but the water reached them. We have the same kind of testimony. Something's coming in the sky you've never seen. The end of the world is on the way. He's going to wrap it up like a scroll. It's going to burn and melt with a fervent heat. He's going to redo the whole thing. You better repent and get right with God through the person of Christ. And people say, oh, they're crazy. Those are those right-wingers. Those right-wingers. Those extremists. Those crazy people. Those fundamentalists. Well, I've got a fundamental word for you. You better get right with God. So there's a joy set before us. Can everybody say with me as we stand together? Stand with me, can you? Say, there's a joy set before me. God's working all things for my good. There are surprises in His kitchen. And Jesus is coming soon. Give the Lord a hand of praise. He's a God who put a joy before us. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word today. I want to ask everybody to bow for a moment of prayer. And I want to do something here today. I want to give an invitation to anybody who needs to get right with God. Listen, there is none other name given among men whereby we might be saved or must be saved than the name of Jesus. I invite you, either here today in person or by radio, our dear radio friends, somebody you've just tuned in, and you didn't even mean to find this, this channel, this station, but you've stopped and you're listening. I'm telling you, as that rain fell from the sky, Jesus is going to split the eastern sky and he's going to come to get his people. Will you be among them? So I want to ask those of you that are here right now, if you can say, Pastor Jeff, I've gotten away from the Lord and I need to come back. Or I've never known the peace that comes from accepting Jesus in my heart. I want to encourage you to do it today. With every head bowed, if you can say, Pastor, I'll let you pray for me. I need to come back to him, or I need to come to him for the first time. I want to leave this building with peace in my heart, peace between me and God. You can do it right now. Say, Pastor, that's me. Would you put your hand right up in the air where you are? Say, I'll let you pray for me. God bless you. God bless you. Put him up high where I can see you. I'll let you pray for me. All right, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to come down to the front. 